Okay, guys, let's uh, move over here. You'll have time to take photos, I mean, as much as you want, and as many photos as you want. Oh, okay. You can really see how the water comes from underneath. See, that's the, that's the real spring. Mm, cool. Actually, I'm going to judges. Judges, and I actually want to start from judges six. Show us, show us the two ways of doing it. Show us the two ways of doing it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, guys. So uh, you will all be able to actually try later on the two ways of uh, getting and drink from the water. We'll see why one was actually prioritized and chosen over the other. We'll try to understand the logic behind it. Uh, you can really see a natural spring, how the water really comes from underneath. Uh, the ridge above us is Mount Gilboa. Mount Gilboa mentions in the Bible several times. Uh, in Hebrew, if you split the word into two, it's Gal Novea. Gal is a wave. Linboa is to supply. So it's like a, a wave that supplies water. Along that ridge we have several of those uh, springs that supply water for the valley as you could see along the drive it's very very fertile um, actually most of it has been underwater like a swamp up to the 20s of the of the 20th century and the Zionists are the ones to dry out the swamps in order to develop these very very uh, uh, um, prosperous communities over here um, I was asked on the bus whether this is the actual site or a traditional site. I would say, you know, there's some of those stories that would not leave any trace behind because uh, when someone, soldiers came over or people came over to drink, or all they leave behind is actually the footprints. And the footprints would definitely be erased, I mean, very shortly after, right? So they, we, we cannot really find archaeological evidences to prove this was the place, but we can tell you that the base of that cave is very, very ancient means, I mean, what we have now is like after many, many years, but archaeologically speaking, the foundation of that cave are like very, very ancient. Um, they were here at the time of Gideon uh, and the Israelites, and therefore the spring is old enough to definitely be here at that time, and it's definitely Mount Gilboa. That cannot be mistaken. So when you try to take the dating and the context and the geography and topography, we can say, I mean, this was probably Gideon Springs, but again, it could be an, a spring next, I mean, next to us, which is not necessarily this one. That's, uh, that's the, uh, these are the facts, but for the tradition started many, many years ago. I mean, it's not something modern that started like in the last 100 years. The tradition of that location, we know from travelers who've actually traveled through the country, that they've always witnessed kind of pilgrims to come and, you know, kind of uh, follow the, or track the, the story of Gideon right around here. Mount Gilboa, very well known uh, in the Bible, probably the most known story would be the last battle of King Saul with the Philistines. 
uh, where he actually he was he actually was killed or killed himself, and the three sons were killed in the same battlefield. Um, but then many others. Uh, specifically here, when we speak of Gideon, um, I always you know the, the story is uh, is in Book of Judges chapter seven, but I always like to start with chapter six. Uh, because uh, that gives the background for the, the whole story. We'll start with verse 1. Yeah. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of the Midians, Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelite, Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would come like locusts in number, both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste the land as they came in and Israel was brought very low because of Midian and the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel and said to them thus says the Lord the God of Israel I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide from the Midianites. Where was he actually threading the, uh, the wheat? In the wine press. In the wine press. Why? Because he was afraid. He was afraid. He couldn't do it like uh, outside. He had to actually go to the wine press and actually thread, you know, the, uh, threshing, threshing the, the, the wheat. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him, and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. 
Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abyssalites. That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal, who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. And the men of the town said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal, or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerubal. 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 That is to say, let Baal contend against him. So... Mm-hmm. So basically, it tells us uh, who was Gideon. Gideon is uh, <coughs> a very challenging time for the Israelites. The Midianites, the Malachites, the Philippines. He had to question the uh, the wheat in the in the in the uh, wine press. Suddenly, an angel came to him and he actually questioned it. He wanted to sign that he was really God. And eventually, he destroyed the altar of the Baal and the Asherah, uh, which were Canaanite gods and, and a god and goddess. Uh, the Israelites have actually worshipped them because of the drought and, and difficult time. Uh, and the name Yerubaal, Yerubaal basically is the uh, Baal, is the Baal, and he's the, op, he's the enemy, he's the content of the Baal. And that's the name, that became the name of Gideon. 
Uh, and then when he got the blessing from God for, for that mission, basically he had to pick up the, the, the men. And uh, in Judges chapter 7, it actually tells us exactly how he picked up the men. So in the beginning, everyone wanted to come, 10,000 wanted to come. He didn't need so many of those people. He just wanted the ones who were brave enough to come. And he asked people, who wants to come? So he dropped down to 3,000. But it's still way too many. You don't need, if you want to go for like a special operation, you just want not just the brave ones and the ones who want to come, but you want the ones who could really function under pressure and under stress and would be like disciplined and would know exactly how to, how to go. And the way for him to select the people was actually by taking them to the water. And what's the difference between the ones who just get on their knees and actually lick the water from, from the spring itself and those who actually <coughs> take their moment and put the hands in and actually drink from the water, from, from the hands. That's exactly when you're under pressure, you're thirsty, you kind of, uh, you cannot really hold yourself anymore. If you have that extra discipline to really do it the right way, that means that you, you, you have that, I would say, strength and, and personal discipline to, uh, even in the battlefield, to, to really do the right thing and how to be panic. If you, like, uh, instinctively follow your natural instincts and all you want is to run into the water and drink, that means that you actually follow your instincts more than your self-control. And he wanted the ones with the self-control. Um, and that's how he picked up. I mean, the, the, the way of people drink under pressure when they really kind of thirsty, show their real behavior, natural behavior, in times of, of stress and pressure, and, and when you go to the battlefield, that's actually what you're going to be under a constant kind of stress. And you need to know how to act and to do right things and to read and do it with the self control. And that's what they actually get on checked over here. When you take it to uh, a day to day life, of course, um, that's something we all need. I mean, that uh, be able to uh, stop our daily kind of. Um, um, you know, for my kids, I always say to delay their. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, they all, everything we want to, to happen right here, right now, instantly. And I would say you should delay our ambitions and, 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 and requests. And I mean, that's part of self control. Um, and it's true for everything. It's true with the way we work with God. It's true with the way we actually live our lives. There always like temptations to, to do something instantly right here right now but i mean self-control i mean try to actually find the balance and not really do what what crosses your mind at that moment or what your body feels to do at that moment uh, so he dropped down the number to actually the 300 he didn't go straight by the way moray hill is the hill in front of us over there on the way back to the bus you just <coughs> see it in front of you that's the moray hill we saw it from the precipice from the other side he could have walked straight in front of him, but that would not be a surprise. So he actually went up to the Issachar Hills. He came from the back, and he actually surprised him from the back. And there was a whole manipulation of making a lot of noise. So they would think there were a big number of soldiers coming. And wars you always do with manipulations. I mean, it's not just uh, to come and if you outnumber, you pick up your best soldiers, special forces, and you use those manipulations. That's the way to win. That's the way God actually showed Gideon and led him to that victory. And eventually the Midianites escaped the whole way down and none of them actually survived. Um, 
That's all related to here. He picked up the soldiers over there. He actually took over the Midianites. Um, and again, we saw it from the pacifists. All of this valley and everything, Mount Gilboa, the spring, um, it's all like really like biblical kind of landscape. So, uh, so each day we are, you ready? Yeah. Evo, Evo time? All right. So each day we're excited. We're going to have one of all, one of y'all get to share at the Evo. Awesome shared a great word yesterday and uh, this, this afternoon. Ronnie Brown is going to share for just a few moments from the word. Uh, it's exciting to have Ronnie here. He's been a friend of Nathan, myself, Daniel for a long time. This is actually my Sunday school teacher, y'all. So uh, I'm to blame. I'm <laughs> He's to blame right here. This is awesome. But uh, Ronnie, we're excited to have you here with us. Share with us just a, a minute. All right, gentlemen, I won't read the text again, uh, but we do see that when, when we're standing at this spring, we see where God basically sifted what he was going to use so that he would get the glory and not the might of Gideon's army. I'm not so sure that it was Gideon's idea to make his army smaller. I don't think that may be in his character. But we see a theme here that is taken throughout the scripture. When we look at Abraham and his miraculous uh, son uh, that was born Isaac, how that God would take something so small and make it as many peoples as the stars of the sky. When we think about how that Joshua led a ragtag group of, of refugees to conquer the entrenched armies of the pagan Canaanite people, how? How is this possible? I think about when Jonathan and his armor bearer, they went to uh, into, the, into the camp of the Philistines and he said, God is able to save with few just as good as he can save with many. Amen. And we see David. Amen. David faced a Goliath, uh, the armies of the Philistines, uh, a, a magnificently enormous man. How could a little boy like David slay uh, a Goliath? We see Elisha and Gehazi going crazy when the armies of the Syrians were uh, Syrians were all about them. And he said, "They are they with more with us than they are with them." And God opened his eyes and saw the chariots around them all the way. When we go on further, we see that the psalmist wrote, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but I will trust in the name of my God. Are you Amen. seeing a theme Amen. here? When we see Nehemiah and the walls of Jerusalem so fragile that a fox could knock them down, he trusted in his God and those walls still stand today. When we cross into the New Testament and we see a builder's son from Nazareth, what good? Who, who what comes from Nazareth, Nathaniel says. And the people look at him and say, how could this man, how could he speak such? What good comes from Nazareth? And we see how that when the, the bread we were visiting yesterday, that bread was broken and handed out. Philip looked at those two loaves and says, what are these among so many? Jesus is that bread of life. And I believe all around we're looking at him saying, this man, what? how could he do so much for so many. What, how could so little be able to help? We see this Jesus on the cross dying for our sins. A brutal Roman uh, execution. How could that help us? How could that do anything for us 
at all. I am reminded of what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians where he said, not many wise, uh, not, not many great are chosen, but God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the wise. God, and, and so that no man may glory in his sight. The glory belongs to God. How come Gideon's army was thinned out? So God could get the glory. How come How come uh, Gehazi couldn't see? So God could get the glory. God's the ultimate one that gets the glory. And where does that glory found? It is found for the God who created this world has, sh has shined the light of the gospel in the glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the glory of the Father. God uses weak things of the world so that he might get the glory to Jesus Christ because God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I spoke several hours with Jacob and Josh and I was enthralled at how you God is using you men and, and reestablishing you and, and, and proving himself over and over how that he gets the glory when he uses small things. Gentlemen, wherever you are, however you're serving, God uses small things. Why? So that Jesus would get the glory. Why? Because He's sovereign. He's Lord Amen. over all. Jesus Amen. shall reign wherever the sun doth its excessive uh, uh, courses run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moon shall wax and wane no more. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus rules all. And when you're serving Him, no matter how small your army may be, no matter how few you are, the Almighty and all glory and all renown go to Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for what we are reminded of in these springs. God, You take little things. You take torches and broken lives and jars and You rout the enemy. God, I pray that You would do that in every heart in this room that you would use us for your glory that we may cast our crowns at your feet that we may lodge you throughout all eternity all glory belongs to jesus christ amen and amen